Well, it's good to be with you guys um, in the PM. Uh, I was with the AM uh, this morning. And um, it's, look, it's one thing that I didn't say this morning. Um, it's really lovely to be with you guys. And, and I'm sure some of you are aware of it, but, you know, your worship and your prayer is known in this region. And I think I was chatting to um, uh, Steve when we were talking about how long. Is it eight years or nine years maybe you've been doing Mondays or something like? Six. Six. Okay, I've just added a good two or three on there. Um, but thank you for persevering. Persevering is one of the most precious things in God's Word. And it's mentioned throughout, particularly the New Testament. Certainly there are stories of the Old Testament. But to persevere for that long... And to still, I, I meet with churches um, in different places around Queensland and when I'm here around this area, churches mention Monday night. Every now and then it randomly comes up um, and uh, so thank you. Thank you for persevering. Perseverance is attached to the crown of life and Jesus in Revelation, whenever he says to the one who perseveres, he then um, quickly um, gives another um, uh, definition of, or not definition is the wrong word, but you'll get what I mean when I say it. But he says, to the one who is victorious. So this beautiful thing around perseverance is attached to being victorious, which makes sense. I love it because it's such a low bar. It's like Jesus going, if you persevere to the end, that, that's what he's describing there to the churches, to the one who is victorious. Um, so it's such a great sh service. I was enjoying myself so much that uh, when I was over here standing at my chair and I think someone invited us to sit down, I had not really realised but I'd done the Christian worship shuffle. You know when during worship you're sort of like just a little bit lost and then you're not actually where your seat is? And I'm glad I just had a moment. I nearly went straight down um, uh, because there's a gap there and I would have gone straight on the floor. So I could have been going to emergency instead of um, bringing this up the front. But um, yeah, it's, it's good to be here. Uh, Jerusalem and Ruth send their regards. Jerusalem would do it in a way that you wouldn't understand because you can't speak yet. Um, but it was great to have them uh, here this morning as well. This book, uh, how many of you know of Open Doors? And you, uh, I, I mean, I know the guys on Monday and many of you in the church pray or have given in some way. This is the most dangerous book in the world. If you take it seriously. And the reason for that is there's probably a number of reasons. But one of those reasons is this book, if you take it seriously, God's Bible, can free your heart in a way that nothing else can. And a lot of the stories that I'm going to um, share, and, and I know you guys have been looking at persecution, and um, I was listening to what Tim spoke about last weekend and, and thinking about the different stories in the Bible and the New Testament, the Apostle and, and Paul saying it was a part of his life and, and that this was something uh, that was to be expected. Um, this being the most dangerous book in the world, why is it so? Why does persecution exist? It's not about flesh and blood. And you'll hear stories where there are flesh and blood embodiments of persecution against Christians. But it's against principalities and power. Why? Because the devil knows if this book has freed your heart in a particular way, the freedom in your heart might jump to the person next to you. 
in the cubicle at work. Or maybe the next door neighbour. And so the enemy is trying everything they, they can right throughout the world to make all of us even here in this room before we step out to give of that freedom just to sort of go, oh, maybe, maybe not. What will they think? What would be the consequence? So there are many reasons for persecution, but I want to particularly just look at, so when it happens, what's... What, what's the purpose around it happening? And there's a number of different answers that could be given, but I want to just highlight in the scriptures and through showing you through stories of your brothers and sisters around the world of why it might be persecution is a spectrum. And I'm going to share stories that are on the high end of the spectrum. But there is another end of the spectrum. Jesus used the word troubles. He said, in this life, you will have troubles. And you're going to hear about people when they step out in spite of persecution, in spite of suffering. What are the results? Because when you're experiencing troubles at work, in your neighborhood, maybe there's an Islamic extremist militant group coming on to your town about a couple of hours away. What, might, what are the opportunities around the gospel? <laughs> because Jesus said the harvest is ripe. He didn't say only in these types of circumstances and only when it's safe. He said the harvest is ripe. And in order just to um, give dignity to what God's going to be doing in, in, in our hearts and, and wanting to just give respect and honour to that, um, I'm going to just say up front rather than at the end, if you're sitting here and you hear about the work of Open Doors and you think, you know what, I really align with that, with what our brothers and sisters are doing and what Open Doors is doing to, to help them stay where they are, then um, you can join us monthly. And the language we use is, What's the subscription in your life that you can match? My Netflix subscription is unlike my Stan subscription. Me and my wife will cancel the other ones, but I cannot foresee a situation where we're cancelling our Netflix subscription. Some of you think that's very shallow. Yeah, it is. Um, $9.99. So as you are hearing stories, as the Lord is doing something even in your heart, if there are some of you going, I want to be a part of this. I just want you to ask the question, which subscription could I match? What's the smallest amount that would ensure that I can support what's happening for the longest time? So at the end, I'm not going to um, really mention that again. Um, but if you want, just come up to the back. I'm going to be standing up the back there and we have these, these boxes that are specific to regions and give stories of our brothers and sisters. And you can take one of them home. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the king and we are your people. And sometimes things are really confusing just in life. Troubles are happening, Jesus, you, and you knew that. Thank you that you knew that. You knew that it, troubles would be happening in our lives. In fact, you said count on it. So Jesus, 
open our hearts and what would you say? Where do you want us to step out? Where are you wanting us to grow or maybe heal or maybe admonishment for the good of ourselves and others and your own glory, Lord? Amen. What is a privilege? When you think about the word privilege, what comes to mind? When uh, I was growing up, my family talked about treats. But I remember there were not that many families, but there were some families. I always thought it was really odd, but I'm sure they thought my family was odd. I'm one of five, and they probably thought these people have a lot of people living in their house. So we use the word treat, but some other people use the word privilege. I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think about the word privilege. But whatever is coming to mind... If that privilege was put before you tonight, would you take it? <laughs> I know the one that I'm, I'm thinking of, of, of what I think of when I think of a privilege, I'd darn right take it. I'd make sure I took it before there were any other questions asked or as a mix-up. What is a privilege? Did you know that in the kingdom of God and in God's word, there are circumstances, not just tied to this one concept, but there are circumstances which are talked about as a privilege. And it is something that is set before us. And we can obey, we can grab it, we can step hold of it. And it's really exemplified by what we did before. The message of the cross, the message of Jesus in, can be explained in many different ways, but one of them is that Jesus, in obedience, suffered much. The Bible talks about in, um, in Philippians 2, it says... That even though Christ was in the form of God, he made himself of no reputation and became a man. He became flesh and he became blood. He humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. When Jesus died on the cross, what we remembered what happened was, through this suffering, the meaning that was surrounding it was that this created a game changer for the whole world. It meant that the whole world could now experience forgiveness. Freedom breaks out in a way that it never had before. Tied up in suffering and tied up in a specific type of suffering, persecution, is this ingredient that's a game changer. And the cross testifies to the game-changing nature of humbling yourself, and it uses the word which I didn't read out, becoming a servant and serving in this way, and it changed everything. It doesn't matter how bad you are or how little you've, even if you're a newborn baby and you don't even know concepts yet, it's for everyone the worst and the least. It's a game changer. 
what, um, what Open Doors does is we help people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. And the key phrase is, no matter the cost. As you can see up there, uh, for the last 25 years, we've been releasing the world uh, watch list, the top 50 most dangerous places to be a Christian. The darker colours represent the worst places, all the way back to the lighter colours. Um, we use language um, internally, not so much in, in the documents of smash and squeeze. So if we're talking about the spectrum of persecution and troubles, we talk about there's smash, which is physical violence. It's persecution that manifests in that way. Or there's squeeze. There's when the laws are created in such a way that it's meant to bring down the church. Or it's meant to that you can never really establish a church building. Or you can never really admit that you're a Christian. And you certainly can't convert in places. So there's smash and there's squeeze. Number one, on the top 50 most dangerous places to be. Has anyone, have you recognised that yet? Yeah. In that country, it's not unusual in a school setting and certainly in other places, but it's not unusual here, for this to be held up in, say, a primary school. And the question asked, who knows what this is? And if you know anything about kids, they get asked a question. They, they love to answer it. All the way up to grade seven, there's something in them that just is so, they love to be, even if they don't know the answer, they just want to be picked. Parents in this country process the question, will we tell our children that we know Jesus and we love him? It's risky. There are stories, and if you've got any of, uh, any of those of you who have been supporting and you've read stories where um, people have come into China and they've found the, the, um, the freedom and the truth of Jesus and are uh, following him, and they go, now I know what my grandma was doing when she was kneeling on the ground and saying, help me blank. I didn't know who she was talking to. I didn't know that name. But I now know she's a Christian. That's what was going on there. If you're in that country, you are starving. It doesn't matter who you are. Imagine in places around the world where you're hungry and starving. I don't know what you're like when you're hungry. But I'm not thinking about how can I reach out to my neighbour. <laughs> so the needs, when we look around the world, our lens in working in over 70 different countries, our lens is in the worst countries around the world, where is the region, where is the area that Christians are so pressed, pressed that they're thinking, maybe I've got to get out of here? Where's the region that maybe it's the whole community? If you can imagine uh, a, family, uh, a church family of 200 families, and in a scenario that was happening in many places right throughout the country that I was in last year in Iraq, and it wasn't uncommon, and they certainly experienced this, 
where someone would just be coming through the neighborhood saying, if you're a Christian and you're here in the morning, whatever happens to you will be on your own head. If you could process for a moment this community and the whole region in Morden Bay, imagine if Christians this week, something so, so vexing happened that we, everyone went, we need to get out, we need to go to Gympie or the sunny coast, we need to just get, get out. What would happen to the witness of Christ? The light of Jesus, gone. No one knows about Jesus in neighbourhoods, in um, uh, urban centres and the whole region. So what drives open doors when um, in Iraq, a lot of the work was really sustaining through business loans to keep Christians in the country. Many had to go and there's biblical mandate to go, but many, we were, what is it that they need to stay? Nigeria, um, a couple of years back, it was a famine and Christians were on the end of the line of any aid in the country. And by the end of the line, I don't even mean they're on the line because you're a Christian. In parts of that country, um, health and education is denied if you're a Christian. But with the proviso of, hey, just convert. Come on back. If you convert, we'll sort you out. You'll be okay. I don't know what questions you'd be processing, but I would be going, maybe we, maybe we need to leave. People are processing, well, maybe, I, what if I just convert? Just for the sake of my kids. But one thing is true. And coming back to what is a privilege and what is, how does the Bible talk about for the church particular type of privilege that's set before the church? And it's there for a reason. Because in these countries that are some of the worst countries in the world, it can look like for us with our Aussie eyes and our Western eyes of going, how are we doing Christianity globally? Like how are we even doing it in Australia? Let alone these horrible places. Like are we winning if that's even a term we should be using. In many of these places, one of the fastest growing churches is in Iran in the Middle East because the freedom is being shared despite if you convert someone and particularly if you baptize someone who's not a Christian, who's come from another faith, that's enough to get you killed, shot dead in the street. If they want to find more about the church network, then they'll kidnap you first, they will torture you. But the kingdom of God is advancing. These are heavy stories, but there is a privilege that is set before the church, and it's unique to the church. But before we go into that, I want to give you an opportunity to hear from um, some brothers and sisters that live in these countries and hear from their own mouths, their own testimonies, and how they would encourage us. Uh, have a watch. The privilege that is given in amongst persecution. Now remember, Jesus, when he talked about persecution and troubles, he also included insult, mockery, saying all kinds of evil things about you, as well as there's the physicality of losing your life and, and, and all that comes with that. 
And I'm sure if we uh, talked about this spectrum and, and I was to talk with you, and we were to sit down and find out, I'm sure you could tell me about some troubles that you've experienced, whether it's friends or neighbours or maybe within family, you're the only person who's a Christian. There is a privilege that is given uniquely to the church to embody the very sufferings of Christ. Everything's been done for salvation. But the Bible talks about the idea of joining in with the sufferings of Christ and, and even uses crazy language like being granted to join with the sufferings of Christ as if it's some kind of privilege. Paul, um, uh, in um, Philippians 1, it says, No way be alarmed by your opponents, for it's been granted to you. For Christ's sake, not just to believe, not just to believe and engage there, but also to suffer for his sake. There is, why is there suffering? Why does persecution, why does Jesus say, hey, don't put your hand to the plough if you want to come follow me. They hated me. They're going to hate you. Don't, you may look back if you take this seriously. In 2 Corinthians 4, it gives insight into what is happening and what is God doing when a lady gets a phone call from a brother and he says, you need to come home. <laughs> and what's astounding is she goes home. She knows what happens in those cultural contexts when you shame the family in a way that we don't have that same shame culture. Here's 2 Corinthians 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There are people that can't see quite what's happening. In whose case, the God of the world has blinded the minds of unbelieving. Okay, so it's talking about those that are unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They can't see it. Maybe we could talk about, um, just to use a, a picture of colour blindness, they are only seeing certain colours. And then in verse 5 it says, we do not preach ourselves, praise God. <laughs> hey, you can take your eyes off yourself. If you don't feel like you're up to it, you're a great witness. It's okay, take your eyes off yourself. You're not preaching you. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as bondservants for him. Now here's where it starts to give us insight. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Not in darkness, someone comes along with a light. The light will shine out of darkness. The one who has shone in our hearts... It's talking about the light out of darkness. The one who shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. But we have this treasure, that knowledge of the light of, the, of Jesus. We have that treasure, the privilege to come to the table, that treasure in earthen vessels. Very weak earthen vessels opposed to the really strong ones or ones made with steel or gold. So that the surpassing, why? Why is that treasure put in you, the knowledge of the light of God, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God, not of ourselves? 
We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And we are carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in your body. So what the privilege that is set before you is when you go about your day and you might get insulted or you might get mocked, there's a moment there and it's all invested in your response. You have an opportunity to respond to the people around you and it's in these particular moments that has quite power, particularly with those who are totally veiled. Maybe they're the ones in your workplace or your neighbours that you go, man, they're the hard hearts. Like, I, I don't even, you know, maybe they've never acknowledged they know you're a Christian, but you know they know you're a Christian and they like to stir you. They like to jab, not just because they like to jab, though maybe they do that, but it's because they know you're a Christian. There's a moment in your response that can affect the hardest, the darkest, and the most imprisoned hearts. And those are not all the same things, though they can intertwine. I was meeting with um, some of the team from Central Asia and they were sharing um, this brother's story. And uh, we'll call him Samson. And that's his Bible. And Samson converted from the religion of his family. Very dangerous thing to do. But he was also, world cha- uh, he was also uh, well, yeah, world champion wrestler. He was the number one wrestler in, the, in his particular country in Central Asia. And he converted. Very dangerous thing to do. God really, that's a whole story in itself. But many years on, in circumstances like that, um, open doors might partner in a way with a safe house. We might um, create a space within the country for someone to go for a while, somewhere where they're not known. This brother, after many years on, um, became a pastor. And um, this particular Um, guy was known for how he reached out with the knowledge of the light of Christ, totally revolutionized, transformed his life. And this Islamic extremist um, who was uh, one of the leaders in the region knew of him, came in in the middle of the night, took him from home. They all had balaclavas on. They took him to a dump and they got him to clean an area in the dump. Now, there's a lot more to this story, but just to condense it for time. And he was, after he cleaned up an area, they knelt him down. They put a gun to his head. And this particular Islamic, Islamic extremist leader um, said to him, any last words? And Samson looked at him and said, Jesus, I pray that you bless this man. I pray that you bless this man's family. I pray that you would, and starts to dot point the gospel in his last moments. The guy with the gun, can you imagine how many times he's been in this situation? You don't just direct someone to clean up an area um, on your first go and then once you kneel down. Can you imagine what type of heart this man has? If there's anyone, surely this is the guy that's never going to make it into the kingdom. And in that moment, he got so discombobulated, so perplexed by what he saw happening. He's seen many people die and he's been the one doing the killing. But it so wigged him out. He screamed at Samson and he said, I'm about to kill you and all you can do is bless me. Which is a very foreign thing to do in that culture. It so wigged him out that he said, I'm going to let you go, but in one week I will be back and I will kill you. 
one week comes back. And uh, this time comes to the church and, and Samson's there and he comes through the door and Samson goes, look, it's been a really long week. I haven't had a chance to say goodbye to my family. Would you let me go and say goodbye to my family and I promise I will come back. And the, this um, gentleman said to him, no, 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 you don't understand. You see, over the weekend, me and some other leaders were um, in the region and together just talking about what strategies, whatever they do when they meet. And they said, when we were coming down the mountain, the government forces um, ambushed us, started firing weapons and mortar and all of that. And in the midst of it, you came to us. So I'm here today because I've got two questions. Number one, how is it that you came to us? And number two, how is it that you didn't die? And Samson said to him, no, no, you've got it wrong. It wasn't me, but my God sent you an angel to tell you if you jumped into that river, then you would be saved. And they were the only two men that were not killed in that altercation. He said, that was an angel, it wasn't me. And it may just be that it's because God wants to save for maybe the last time that Jesus loves you, that Jesus has died for you, and he starts dot pointing through the gospel. This, this um, Islamic terrorist leader turned around to the group that was with him, that followed him, and said, this man speaks the truth. I am now a Christian. You should all do the same. There are unique opportunities when you are being pressed in a situation where it's the type of situation that maybe you want to shrink back from or maybe you just want to go, you know what, I just want to get stuff done and, and you know, go home to where it's better. But those situations and how you respond can unlock like someone seeing colour for the first time. Because when they look at your response and they hear what comes out of your mouth, they go... I know, I know you well enough or I know how humans respond. That's not a normal human response. Paul is giving us insight that with suffering, with troubles, with persecution comes a privilege that is for us to take uniquely in the church. And when us as individuals and as the church take it, it has the power joining in because of the power of the example. We're joining in the embodiment of Christ, the life of Christ, that it has the power to unlock and melt the hardest of hearts in a way that normal circumstances don't afford. So I wonder, as we finish, there's so many stories to be told. But I wonder, as you think about your world, you think about your neighbour, you think about the person who maybe mocks or insults you, Jesus said the harvest is ripe. And it may just be that that hard heart is actually ripe. But it's waiting for the bold person to step forward. It's waiting for the person to go, you know what? I, you know, when was the last time I laughed at someone insulting me? And just going, ah, oh, Jim, you always got something to say. There is no Jim in my life, but um, that's an example. You've always got something to say. Just laugh it off. 
and you don't treat Jim any different? What's your answer? What's, how are we responding? Jesus, I believe, would say to us um, and bring to us today, you are very precious. There is ripeness all around you. And there are some circumstances where he's going, what I would love to encourage you to do is, I've put you there for a reason. If you step out in boldness, you will see me reap. You will see me bring into the storehouse. You will see me declare salvation in a way that normal circumstances just don't afford us. Jesus, we love you. Your example and your life is unparalleled. No one does that. No one gives up their own glory. In our day and age, people shout for their rights. People shout to be recognized in their pain. And you gave up all your glory to be a bondservant, to be obedient to death. And that was a game changer that changed the whole world. May we embody your your, through your spirit and may we see games and, and journeys changed through our responses. Teach us of how to be bold, Lord. May we take the step So Jesus, our hearts are open. Open our eyes and open our ears to ripeness. Give us courage so that we step into the fire and go, you know what? Like Jesus said, the world is worth it. Even this guy or this girl's soul is worth it. And I'm just going to say, yeah, I go to to church. It's just real, man. You've got to come along. You keep mocking it, but have you ever been? Yeah, come along. Maybe you get some few laughs or maybe something will totally change in your life. So we entrust you, the master of the harvest, to teaching us how to bring it into the storehouse. And we commit that and your role in that and say we're available in Jesus' name. Amen.